3: Welcome to the 68th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to all things elite. My name is Austin Summits, and I am your host of this lovely show. Joining me as always is the one and only Floyd Johnson. But joining us today as well is the godfather of Social Suplex and the host of Keeping It Strong Style, Mr. Jeremy Donovan.
1: Hey, what's up, guys?
2: Hey, what's up, Jeremy? It's been a while since you've been on the show.
1: Yeah, it has been, and you know I'm always happy to be on the show and talk about some AEW.
2: Yeah, I'm super. Yeah, I was super excited. I knew for Fighter Fest, it being pay per view quality, we needed to bring in the big guns. So I was like, Jeremy, you want to jump on here for a couple weeks? And they said yes. So just so you know, he'll be on this week and next week, and we're recording right after Fighter Fest. So you are getting our Fresh takes and thoughts.
3: And this is the first time I'm actually getting to talk and meet with D- Jeremy for the first time. So uh, this is a this is a big moment for all of us.
1: Yeah, man, Austin, you you've been doing a great job, man. Um, you know, you've joined the team recently, and you're doing a great job teaming up with Floyd here on all things Elite. So happy to have you on the team, man.
2: Means the yeah, world. You haven't got to kiss the you haven't got to kiss the ring of the Godfather <laughs> in person yet. But once uh,
3: once everything starts calming yeah. down and we can actually <laughs> physically do things like that without dying, we'll be good.
2: Yeah, I told uh, told someone funny because uh, we have another guy in our little group. His name's Caleb, and he's from Oklahoma. And I was like, it took a guy in Florida to introduce two guys in Oklahoma. <laughs> the world uh, works weird, like that. I mean, it, yeah, it works weird like that. So yeah, like 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 Floyd said,
3: we are recording this immediately after week one of Fighter Fest. There's a lot of stuff that happened tonight. And we've got, we're going to cover everything that happened on night one of Fighter Fest. But before we do that, I want to be sure to start the show by reminding you that this episode of All Things Elite is brought to you by Power Slam TV. Power Slam TV is where you get access to over 4,000 hours of content from over 110 of your favorite wrestling brands from countries all around the globe, right on your laptop and mobile devices. And you know this already. If you use the code Social Suplex, you can get the first month completely free. And be sure... That you are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and review. And if you are so inclined to, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. And be sure to support us on Twitter by following us. Follow the podcast at AT Pod. Follow Social Suplex at Social Suplex. Follow myself at szoomer 4 And follow Floyd at Floyd Johnson Jr. And Jeremy, your Twitter's not on the notes, but shout out your Twitter, brother.
1: Yeah, you guys can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan.
3: There you go. So now let's get to the big news of the week, obviously, which is Fighter Fest night one. But one other thing I think that I that we should talk about right now is the fact that at this show, we got the one of the biggest news of the entire event, which is that we now know the future of uh, Mox versus Cage. Which is the fact that it's going to be moved an extra week ahead to fight for the Fallen, which will be two weeks from now. So it will not be on night two of Fight of Fighter Fest. It's going to be on Fight for the Fallen on July fifteenth, so two weeks from now.
2: Yes, and we are very excited that NXT is probably gonna announce later this week. And this line is completely <laughs> stolen and ripped off from and Nimity, Uh Peace for the Standing on uh <laughs> July fifteenth. <15th. laughs> it's gonna be an amazing show. <laughs> I yeah, sh- sh- love that. C- gotta love that counter program. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, yeah. It's like not even not even like hiding the fact, though, like it was like I at least appreciate the fact that they didn't throw takeover on there because it was clearly not a takeover event. So I'm glad they at least were able to treat it like a different thing. But it was very clear what they were doing.
1: Yeah, man, I'm waiting for them to bust out some more uh, WCW names. Are we going to get like uh, NXT sold out or NXT Slamboree? NXT Fall Brawl.
3: I want to get. I want to get. I want to get Halloween Havoc in July. So just do that, and we're good.
2: (laughs) Yes, yes, I am looking forward. Oh man, Halloween Havoc. You know, with the characters they have in AEW, that would be fun. Well,
3: just with Abaddon, it works.
2: Just if you have Abaddon. Just with Abaddon, it works. Yeah, just with Abaddon, it works. And you know, you got the Death Dealer Luther. What if he actually dressed up? As a Death Dealer from Harry Potter, that would be oh, like a
3: Death Eater, yeah, that would be yeah, Death Eater, that would be pretty sick.
2: That would be pretty sick. Yes,
3: but that's pretty much the big news because we're just focusing completely on Fighter Fest for this show. So we'll just jump right into the show. We opened up the show with Jurassic Express versus MJF and Wardlow. So Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, and what a hot opener. I got to say, like, I was not expecting this to open the show and I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was. But this was a hell of an opener. What would you guys think?
2: Well, Jeremy, you can go ahead and start, sir.
1: Yeah, I love this thing. This was a great opener. You know, we, we've seen a couple weeks ago on Twitter. Tony Khan talked about, you know, wanting to make sure Dynamite opens up with a hot opener. And that's exactly what we got here with Jungle Boy. Luchasaurus, MJF, and Wardlow. We've been seeing these guys feud. This feud's actually been going back since February on Dynamite when uh, Jungle Boy and MJF first faced off in a singles match. And the chemistry between all four of these guys is just great. And they just flow so well in singles and one-on-one. You know, last week we saw the big Haas match, the Lumberjack with uh, Luchasaurus and Wardlow. And these guys have amazing chemistry. There's some bright young stars. You can really, you know, develop AEW around this rivalry. And there's just so many... Innovative maneuvers between all four guys, and you'll know, seeing big guys like you know Wardlow doing you know Hurricane Ranas and Swanton bombs, and Luchasaurus doing all his you know his two up bacon heroes. It's just an awesome way to kick the show off.
2: The first thing I would like to talk about is MJF's robe, because uh, MJF is comes from out of nowhere with these old school big time show robes. That was it was a pink. With like pink Burberry. Is that correct? whatever
3: it is? It looked ridiculous.
2: Yeah, so it was amazing, and he came out looking at that. And then he cuts a promo, and I'm talking straight daggers at Jungle Boy. And you know, he pointed out the fact on a Twitter that Jungle Boy is comes from a rich family, and he's rich already. And you know, I always said, you know, sometimes you know professional wrestling ignores things like that. Not MJF. He's like, you're probably sitting at home counting your dad's money. I was like, oh. <laughs> I like I visually groaned because, that, I mean, that was straight to the heart. And I, I really dug that. And uh, there was a couple spots in this match where it was like um, the reverse Rana from uh, Jungle Boy, I think, on uh, Wardlow. Yeah. That was awesome. And then it was just It's just MJF with his facials and facial expressions and um, different things he does, it's just... He does this great job of selling what the opponent's doing, but then he talks and he completely buries them, and it's it's just perfect heel work. The fact that he's so young and gets the business so early, I, I mean, I give him a shout out. I would, like, tag him in tweets, but I don't want to get roasted, <laughs> so I don't do that. I mean, you have you have Tiffany's
3: name in your Twitter name, so I'm pretty sure he'll instantly see that and be like, oh, boy, and then just go off.
2: Yeah, him and Tiffany are not. You don't playing. say. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he would, he would, he would definitely start sending daggers if I ever tagged him in anything. But that dude is amazing. Uh, every week, I, he just he gets the subtlety of wrestling, and then he when he needs to be over the top, and he can do that. And when he needs to work, it's not like he's deficient in that department either. He's just. It's just, you can tell, he just appreciates the story. He wants every move to matter. He just doesn't want to just throw out stuff there. And I tagged Tony Khan tonight in a tweet from the account. And I said, "This is it's my favorite thing in wrestling. And that's not hyperbole. They do opening that first match tag match. That is probably my favorite thing in wrestling. Nothing gets me more excited. When that match hits right, it sets the tone for the whole show, the whole show just has this different feel to it because you're so hyped up, you're cheering louder for everything because that tag match hits. So it's it's a it's an ingenious idea, and they always deliver.
3: I will yeah. say also in um, MJF's promo, he hey, he he had one reference to uh, the competition that also continued into multiple references that happened later in the show where he he blatantly said, we're in a ratings war. So you put MJF to start off your show and you will win the ratings war. So first off, Love that he managed to uh, work that into something to hype himself up. And then I was just surprised overall that I didn't think that um, Jurassic Express was getting the pinfall victory, but they managed to pull it off and get the win. And it was a back-and-forth matchup that at points... Like, this was the case with a lot of the matches, actually. There were points where I didn't know who was going to come out on top.
2: Yeah, I I thought Jurassic Express was going to win. my reasoning being what's the point of the feud if they never exactly and i mean they've literally lost every time they've been in a ring together so it was like i felt like mjf is such a great character even though wins and losses matter a loss in a team when he doesn't get pinned doesn't hurt him at all right yeah, yeah they did
1: a great job of protecting mjf here making sure wardlow took the pinfall and yeah like you mentioned floyd like they Jurassic Express really needed this win. They were coming in, you know, uh, Jungle Boy lost MJF twice in singles. And then last week, Wardlow defeated Luchasaurus. So they definitely needed some kind of momentum and shift on their side to keep this feud going and to kind of build some momentum back up for Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. And, you know, one other thing I wanted to point out that you mentioned, Floyd, about MJF, man, he's such a well-rounded performer. I know a lot of people like to focus in on its promo abilities and he's amazing promo and people seem to only focus in on that, but he's a guy like you mentioned that can tell a story in the ring and he can go. He's not one of these guys that can just talk and then they, they can't wrestle. Uh, we've seen at all in and I've seen him at AEW and MLW. This is a guy when it comes to it and he's in there with somebody like a jungle boar or, you know, somebody like a Ray Phoenix. He's somebody that can keep up that pace and really wrestle a well-worked match.
3: Now one thing I wanna ask you guys, because it made me curious, cause we obviously saw the one spot where like MJF nearly hits Wardlow with the Dynamite Diamond Ring, screams, Can't you do anything right? But then Jungle Boy hits him to get the ring in Wardlow's face. When do you guys think we're gonna see the point where Wardlow and MJF break up?
2: Yeah, that's interesting. I hope I hope not anytime soon. I just think you know, I heard someone say, you know, I hear someone in our group say Cody's running through a lot of ideas really quickly. And I mean, they haven't been together. They only if you realize it, they've only been together since. So he turns on them in November. You know, it's you know, he turned on Cody in November or MJF turned on Cody in November And then Wardlow, you know, had the match with Cody in February. They've only been together, what, eight, nine months? Hasn't been long. And it's, yeah, it hasn't been long. So I I could see, I know Wardlow and everybody wants to shoot him up to the star, you know, shoot him up to the top. But I I say be patient. You know, let the frustration build. Let music communications happen and get to the point where fans are begging for it to happen. And then you give it.
1: Yeah, I I think that the MJF and Cody turn, I think that happened way too early. Like, I think they could have had MJF and Cody be together longer, have them challenge for the tag team titles, but, you know, they went with the way they went with, and it's fine. It worked out well, but with MJF and Wardlow, I definitely agree with people. I think it's way too soon to break these guys up, but I know they've been teasing it for a while now. We saw in the Battle Royal for the TNT number one contendership, uh, the Jungle Boy one, there was some miscommunication there with them and the promo before that match, so they've been slowly kind of planting seeds that you know there's you know there's some tension between MJF and Wardlow, and hopefully they just kind of keep teasing it out for the remainder of the year, and they don't you know hot shot this and uh, do the split right away.
3: I'll slightly disagree with you about the M- the uh, MJF turn on Cody because I I honestly thought the spot that they put it out there at was good because I think MJF was just so expected to get to that true heel position they wanted him to be in that true heel position and if they didn't get there quick enough and mjf could have really kind of slid a little bit because of the fact that cody was the rivalry that was going to make mjf so i thought because i personally thought he was going to turn it all out in the sean Spears match because i was fully convinced sean was going to win that So I thought the turn was at – it wasn't the perfect timing, I suppose, but I don't think it was too quick. But, yeah, like you said, patience is the biggest thing for figuring out when to have these moments happen because if you just hot shot a lot of these moments, then it just kind of takes away the value. But I think they're doing the right thing and they're going to hold off on this for at least a good while, hopefully like a few more months.
2: As Jeremy can attest, that's why – I I don't, you bring them up a lot on the show, but that's why Gato from New Japan is such a great booker. He has this, you know, you got to have this feel for when it's time to go to the next, for time for the conversation to end. (laughs) When Naito won the title this year, it was so satisfying. People had been begging for it so long. And there was like, well, it's going to happen this time. Then he'd fail. It's going to happen this time. Then he failed. Then they made you think it really wasn't going to happen one more time. And then he finally succeeded when everybody kind of thought, he, man, he could fail because he had failed so much. And th- that kind of feel, that kind of thing that you get from your gut when it's time, you can't really teach. So it's something that uh, Tony Khan and Cody and all the other bookers in the company are going to try to, you know, develop a sense for.
3: Yeah, I think that will we'll definitely see what that comes about. Of uh, Next up on the card, we had the AEW Women's Championship match with Penelope Ford and my girl Hikaru Shida. I got to say, like, just straight up, I think this might be Penelope Ford's best match in AEW so far. I was very impressed by this match, there was a lot of near falls that multiple ones like caught me off guard because in my heart of hearts, I knew Sheeta wouldn't lose the title this quick in their reign and in, in her reign. And I think this was the one match that most everybody was completely like, everyone was like, "Oh, Sheeta's winning this, no doubt." But Ford put on a hell of a match, and there were multiple points in this match that I like, I like jumped a little bit because I it was such a close false finish. So like, I was. I was surprised at the placement, too. Like, on a couple of these match placements, I was surprised at where they were placed on the card. But, honestly, I just thought the women did a really good job on this match. Like, no question, like, Sheeta and Penelope Ford, especially Ford, really showed themselves on this match.
1: Yeah, this was a really good match here with Sheeta and Ford. Ford has definitely improved since her time in AEW, and she gets better with every match that she has, every outing she has, and... What I really loved about this match was the opening. Um, Sheeta trying to replay last week's Dynamite. Yeah. She uh, beat uh, Red Velvet real quick with the knee in the Falcon Arrow. And so she hits the running knee. And she tries to hit the Falcon Arrow, but Ford slips out. So I thought that was a kind of a great callback to last week and showing how frustrated Sheeta is with Ford and kind of wanted to put her away quickly. So I thought, oh, man, she's going to squash her right away. But no, Ford was able to escape. And um, also in the match... Uh, we had Ford reversing the Falcon Arrow into another roll up. That was a kind of a close near fall, which is pretty cool as well. And eventually Ford kicked out of the Falcon Arrow also, too. So uh, Ford showing a lot of grit in this matchup.
2: Yeah, um, Kip getting kicked out at the beginning of the match. I like had that immediate reaction like, oh, my God, Kip's gone. So now I don't believe Penelope can win and then I liked, then by the end of the match, I'm like, I liked it. It allowed you to focus on Penelope and how good she is and how better she has gotten and not just sit there and keep waiting for Kip to interfere. Cause they ended up doing the interference, you know, thing at the end, but he didn't even really affect it. He kind of distracted her so she could hit a beautiful springboard cutter. And I just thought that was just a really good sequence there because I kind of held my breath because I knew it wasn't Penelope's finisher, but I'd be like, man, that would be a crazy way to end the match. And, and she hit it, and I was like, man, that's over. And that was like the first moment that I really thought that they might go with Penelope as champion. I loved uh, Sheeta's heart and her fire when she shows up, when she starts to get aggressive and she throws those knees. Man, it's just, this was, just, to me, perfectly done i don't i don't know what like anyone will rate this match i but i don't think it could have gotten better than what you got i don't think there was any way to book this match better than what you had
3: i'm really glad that you actually brought up how like you were glad that kip saving got brought up like kicked out so that way we could focus on penelope ford on her own regard because my good friend justin Hem- henry from cultaholic um Talked about how when he saw Penelope Ford for the first time at a CZW show, he was like, "Oh, he's Joey Jan- at the time Joey Janela's girlfriend," and um, she was like, "I, oh, she's fine, but she did what didn't she wasn't really unique to her own like regard." And like we both said, like she's fully come into her own skin and really showcased herself as like her own being and not just somebody's valet or somebody's girlfriend or anything like that which is something that I'm really glad that she's had the chance to showcase because you don't want a, one of your talents to just be relegated to this person's valet like because they're like Wardlow has shown that he can go on his own like Penelope's shown that she can go on her own and she doesn't need like somebody on her side like that's one of the things I've loved the most with seeing Penelope Ford in this matchup and with AEW overall is like Everyone's getting their time to shine on their own, which I think is a really good um, really good thing that they're doing right now.
2: Yeah, Penelope being the star of her attraction. You know, when she got signed, it was to be with Joey Janela. She was supposed to be the sidekick. And then they put her with Kip Sabian. Everybody seemed there, so they saw her as the sidekick. What she has shown when it comes to Kip Sabian, she's the vet he's the sidekick and I love that dynamic it works uh, for what they're trying to do it makes her a dangerous and a threat against any opponent she is uh, she gets in and and she as you see her getting better I think she will be a future aew women's champion it's just you just gotta let her get timing because if it's if she improves in the next year as much as she improved in the last year definitely see her as a championship Material.
1: Definitely. Yeah. She has superstar written all over her. And like you're saying, yeah, I think, you know, more matches on dark, more matches on dynamites, more matches with talents like Sheeta who are more experienced that can kind of help guide her and teach her in, in the match. I think that'll be great for Penelope. And I think, yeah, in a year from now, two years from now, we're going to be talking about a totally different Penelope Ford, somebody who's more well polished and somebody that's going to be, you know, one of the leaders of that women's division.
3: Totally. Yeah. And then after this matchup, we had, I swore this was going to be the main event of the show, but I was, I was very much mistaken. We had the TNT championship match between Jake Hager and the American nightmare. Cody rocking a great American bash style shirt with the American nightmare Cody on it, which I know Floyd is already like, give me now. I
2: need this. It's, I need this in my life. The great, it said the great American Cody. On. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. It said the great American Cody. Cause he said in an interview that when his dad always said, the great American bash is for you. Starkade is for your sister. You know, that's how he uh, booked it and how he, how he thinks of it. So this Great American Bash is Cody's show, the one that his dad dedicated to him every year. So coming out with the Great American stylized shirt with the Great American Cody was, a, a you know, a perfect middle finger to the WWE. Cody does this weird thing where he says everything's okay, but then he does something to let you know everything is not okay. Like, he's like, oh, man, I hope they put on a good show and blah, blah, blah. Very corporate, very executive, very above board. Then he comes out with a great American Cody shirt on, which is a double bird right at you, (laughs) WWE. And it's just, and it's like no denying it. You can't say, oh, it wasn't for that. It's like, I don't need to say anything. The shirt says it all. So I just thought this was ingenious. It was so good. That even Cody's biggest hater, Rich Latta, had to give him props.
3: I mean, look, it's like like we know he has to say, like, oh, hope you have a good show. Yeah, friendly competition. But then like Cody feels some type type of way. And when he gets in the ring and when he gets on the mic, he like in any circumstance, he will let you know how he feels. He does not give a shit. (laughs)
1: But it's, it's almost like there's two codes at, at some times. You, you have like the EBP Cody who's going to, you know, say all the right things, show up the press conference and, you know, cause no drama, say all the good stuff. And then you have, you know, performer Cody, the American Nightmare Cody, who's going to tell you how he really feels.
3: And that's the Cody that I'm pretty sure everybody in the world is in love with right now. And this match overall just was another really solid um championship matchup, I was very intrigued to see... Well, when Dustin... First of all, when Dustin came out, I felt a little bit of worry for... uh, uh, Jake Hager's wife, because I was like, oh, no, not again. Like, just... I thought... I got flashbacks to when I was at Revolution, I was like, oh, God, no. But overall, like, this match was was strong. I think in comparison to the first two matches, it was, like, slightly weaker in my opinion, but it's still... Had I love the finish of this match, and I thought it was a great way to put that on top. And then just what Hager did after the match when he just socks the referee with one straight right was just a great way to cap that off and to have Hager get his heat back. But overall, I thought it was really strong, though. So what would you guys think? I'm very, I'm very
2: excited to hear, Jordan. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. So I thought the
1: in-ring action when they were in the ring was good. I mean, Cody and Hager... They got the amateur wrestling background. Uh, You know the grappling was good and the in-ring action was good. For me, the thing that kind of threw me off with this match was just all the different shenanigans and just outside interference. And we've seen a lot of outside interference on this episode. You know, we saw Kip Sabian, and you had um, some cheating with MJF and Warlow in the beginning. So we're seeing a lot of ref distraction, a lot of ref interference. And plus, for me personally, watching New Japan earlier today, there was two ref bump spots in matches as well. So at this point, I was just kind of getting over ref distractions, ref interference. And these guys are, Hager and Cody are two talented guys, and I think they could have had a an even better match without all the interference and distractions. But I understand you have Arn out there, you have uh, Jake Hager's wife out there, you want to utilize them. But I don't know, for me, the distractions kind of took me out of it. And the finish was kind of clunky for me as well with um, distractions there, and Dustin coming out, and then... I, I like the idea of Cody re- reversing Jake Hager's choke into a pin, but with all the distraction and all that stuff, it's kind of came off a little clunky for me.
2: Okay. I, and I can get that. So, basically what you're saying is, it could have been the best burger in the world, but you were already full, so you couldn't really enjoy it. And that's every Cody match is the best thing in the world. Uh, this was... Cody at his technical finest doing his thing. I don't think you're ever going to get a Cody match without interference. I just don't think that's going to ever happen. That's how he likes to storytell. And it's just one of those things you almost have to ignore <laughs> because it's just, it's going to be in every match. Even me as a diehard Cody fan that thinks he does no wrong, I would just love for him to just have a match, you know, just it be a match and it just end the way it ends. But with Hager, if he took two like clean, decisive victories in a row, you know, he had that match with Moxley and he lost pretty decisively. And now he would have did that with Cody in this one, you know, him being the big badass of the inner circle kind of loses its steam because, you know, he can be beat up fairly easily. So I think the roll up was great to protect Hager, and if they wanted to continue with this feud and get another match out of it, maybe a rematch at Fight for the Fallen, I could see that happening. I, I know, I know a lot of people probably wouldn't want to see that, but I could see that happening. Um, when I look at it, I was just like, Cody was Cody was Cody tonight. I can't say he was especially great. Or you know, horrible or anything. He's just you know, he put on his show. He did the springboard from the top rope cutter, which it's starting to look better because it was really, really clunky when he first started doing it. I didn't actually like it, and then and now it's starting. To, he's starting to get the timing and uh, the distance on his jumps a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a good match. I love that Cody wins every week, almost every week in a different <laughs> way. He. He is uh yeah, he's a, he can submit you, he can roll you up, he can hit you with the crossroads, he wins in a different way every week. Only thing I had a problem with is t- multiple tenure champion amateur champion, uh Jake Hager wouldn't know his shoulders were on the mat, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I'm just saying. I mean, it, I mean, since he was a kid, his whole life has been keeping his shoulders off the but mat.
1: The thing is, now he's an <laughs> M- MMA guy. On MMA, it's okay to be on your back. So he's just trying to get the choke, and he's yeah. in a Bellator world and thinking he can just choke Cody out and not worry about his shoulders. Yeah.
2: Oh, you know what? I didn't even think of it that way. See, that's why we bring you on, Jeremy. <laughs> you, you see, I was like, dude, he would know his shoulders are on the mat. This is what he does. No, but no, yeah, in, in 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 MMA, your shoulders being on the mat doesn't mean anything. A lot of fights have been won for with a guy with his shoulders on the mat. So I could completely understand the different line of thinking there. I'm like, faving me, I love it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was it was a fun match. Uh, Dustin coming out. Like I said, that was perfectly explained in his interview. Cody called out his friends. He basically called out everybody. He said, the Bucks haven't had my back. Dustin hasn't had my back. QT, are we even a family anymore? So of course, Dustin, he had to show up. He had to show up. Otherwise, you know, Cody was right. We're not really a family anymore. So I thought this match was great. I can't, I gotta honestly say. I was like best thing on the show until one thing happened in the main event and it kind of blew it out the water. So we will uh, talk about that when we get to
3: one thing I will say before we move on to the next match is I totally get, um, what I totally get what Jeremy's saying about having too much interference. Like that's one of the one things I always get on. I always get on WWE for is just the, the over reliance of like just, uh, messy finishes or just screwy, uh, finishes. Um, The one, the only reason I give Cody a slight pass with that is just because his whole style is most, is pretty, is pretty old school. It's it's Southern wrestling. It's very old school. But, and I do think on this show, there was a little bit too much of outside interference. Like you cut back a little bit with it, but considering the amount of people that have like valets or have managers or stuff like that, like it's, you can you understand these people getting used on the show that you don't want them to just sit there doing nothing but i do agree that like that aw should make sure that they're a lot a good majority of their matches still have decisive finishes but like at least with the people that were on tonight's show like i could kind of see why these people I, I could understand why most of these people were getting involved it was just a lot and that's just we get worried that like it's just going to be screwy finish after screwy finish so i totally get that thought yeah. though
2: yeah, you need Tony Khan to say. So you're doing interference too? No, you can't do interference. He, I need you to. I need you to say. Oh, we have four matches and interference is happening in three of them. No, that's not going to work for me. I need y'all to change it up a little bit. I just think, I you know, he's the boss. He says everything goes through him. I need that kind of stuff. He needs to kind of catch that stuff. Yeah.
1: Na- like you mentioned, like you know, Cody. Most Cody matches are going to have interference. So if he's going to have a big match on the card. I think, yeah, you know, Tony Khan needs to, you know, circle everybody up and say, all right, Cody's having his match tonight. You know, he's going to have Arn out there. Hager's wife's going to be out there. There's going to be a lot of interference. Everything else needs to be as clean as possible. And so that way, at least, all right, there's only one match on the card that has a lot of interference. And then you're you're getting your kind of clean finishes throughout the rest of the card.
3: Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Now, Before we get into this next match as well, we know that Jericho was on commentary for most of the night. But before this next match started, OC came out to sit next to commentary to observe what was going on. And Jericho was just screaming at him, like, repeatedly during this matchup. And then we got into the actual match between Proud and Powerful and Private Party. And this as well, I thought, was a strong match uh, comparatively to... All the uh, other matches, I think it was the one with the the least amount of stakes involved just because everything felt like it truly like really sat perfectly together. But it did give um, Private Party the edge with the fact that they're taking on the winner of the championship match, the tag title match next week for night two. But besides that, it was still a good match that was a lot of fun to watch. But if I had to pick my like the match that like I would put like in rankings, this would be at the bottom of the rankings just because everything else I felt fit much better on the show. But I still enjoyed this match a lot. Yeah, I thought this was a very
1: yeah. good match. And you know, we've kind of seen this rivalry develop between Private Party and Santana and Ortiz. And it even dates back to their days in uh, House of Glory in New York. And so that rivalry kind of spilling over here in AEW. And I kind of like the story we're telling here, because originally I was expecting Santana Ortiz to get the win. You know, they really haven't won a big match since they've came back from, you know, quarantine, the quarantine break. But it makes a lot of sense for Prior Party to get the win here because now they're being mentored by tag team expert Matt Hardy. You know, he was out there in his Michael Hayes t-shirt, like when Michael Hayes was uh, managing the Hardy Boys back in the day. And so, you know, Matt Hardy is giving the private party all his tag team wisdom now. And so we saw them even doing some Hardy boy offense throughout this match. So I think it made a lot of sense here for private party to get the win.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I've be, I'm a big fan of private, uh, proud and powerful. Um, their chemistry with the private party. I thought the first much they had was not good. I, I was like, I thought it was that Chris Travis uh, memorial match. And I just didn't like it I didn't think it hit. I thought this was significantly better than this match. it was a lot more smooth. you can see the private parties doing some extra work on their own because you can see their difficult uh, their difficult spots that they do. they have either they have either learned to do them better or if you've noticed they've actually gotten rid of a few of the more, you know, complicated spots and it's made their whole, uh whole match cleaner. I thought this was a very clean match. I did think it had a first match energy to it, but it was just, it's just, you know, Santana and Ortiz being the heels or whatever. And then you had, I wouldn't call it interference, but Matt Hardy got up on the ring and I, th- I honestly think it really kind of messed with the flow, but I did like the finish. I I think Jenny juice is, one of the best tag team finishers like in the world, so I really did enjoy that, and I love how at the end, you know, Jericho's pissed because all his people were losing, and because he was pissed at that, that led to his actions after the re- match, but that was that, yeah, I like it, I like you know, the continuity of a team caring when their team members lose He's Jericho's just not a leader that only cares when he wins he wants his whole team to win all the time
1: And one thing on the gin and juice also I liked was Mark Quinn pulled Santana's headband over his eyes. So he couldn't even see the gin and juice coming. So I thought that was a pretty creative way to get into the gin and juice there.
3: Yeah, I agree with everything that you guys said there. And then after this match was over, like, while Jericho was shouting repeatedly at Moxley, I mean, at uh, Orange Cassidy for pretty much doing nothing at all, we then had... Jericho throw a drink at OC, and then immediately, um, all of a sudden, we had Orange Cassidy walk away, but then Jericho just comes to start throwing shots at um, Orange Cassidy. And Private Private Party also got into a spat with Jericho as well after the match, so we're just hyping up next week for night two when... OC, OC and Jericho clash and then apparently it's ma- we might see a feud, well, a match between one of the members of Private Party and Jericho down the line with the little altercation they had there.
2: So, that's a possibility as well. And then yeah, th- uh, yeah, I definitely think it's leading to a Proud and Powerful and Jericho versus Hardy Party, a Marty, yeah. yeah, whatever they're calling themselves, Hardy Party. So, a match uh, down the road and then maybe we get that at fight for the fallen but uh, I think that's going to be a fun match.
3: Absolutely. And then we had the main event of night 1 of Fighter Fest. We well actually no, we got to talk about Taz's promo that he cut with Brian Cage. So, so Taz came out with Brian Cage and cut a promo on Mox because of the match that was supposed to be on night 2 of Fight Fighter Fest was moved to Fight for the Fallen a week later and Overall, with Taz, I feel like his stuff that he's been... Like, his promos he's been cutting and his stuff that he's been doing has been slightly shaky for the most part, but this overall, I thought, was his strongest promo. Maybe that was because there was another shot at WWE in there, maybe, but, I mean, look, that shit's just entertaining to me. And just, like, I'm afraid that's going to be used against him later down the line, but I don't think anybody's going to... Colossally fail at taking care of their their staff like WWE did it that those past few weeks, but despite all of that, I still think this was still his strongest promo he's cut since he got with Brian Cage. Everything else for the most part was okay to all right, but this I felt like was really good at building towards. Uh, fight for the Fallen and that matchup because, I mean, they're really starting, trying to keep that going despite the fact that Moxley is not in the arena right now.
1: Yeah, I I love the combination of Taz and Brian Cage. And I, I think that Taz has been awesome in this role. And Taz is such an underrated talker. Uh, you know, obviously, a lot of Taz stuff from ECW, and it's, he's very intense, kind of very short. He's not an elegant speaker like an MJF. But it's a very, you know, intense, like tough guy. Like I'm going to rip your head off. I'm going to sleep X you on your head. And he's bringing that same energy from ECW to this role now as Brian's cage manager. And I love Brian Cage, but he's not the best on promos. I've seen some of his promo stuff in Impact and Lucha Underground, and he's just not the best. And so what do you do when you have somebody that's not a good talker? You put them with a manager. And I love the fact that AEW has been utilizing managers all up and down the card. And I think Brian Cage or Taz is the perfect fit for Brian Cage and uh, just the intensity that both of them kind of bring together. So you have, you know, Brian Cage, who's his size is kind of what scares you. And then you have, you know, this, this pit bull and Taz who's right there. That's all talking and kind of backs up everything that Brian Cage does in the ring. And I just love the line there. He said that, you know, we're not running a sloppy shop. And, you know, they're, they're taking the real life situation of John Moxley. Um, you know, possibly having coronavirus with his wife, Renee Young, um, coming down with the virus uh, about a week ago. And so using that real-life situation and turning it into a storyline, and with also of Cage and Taz being heels, you get some heat off that. Because obviously we know it's a very legitimate reason why Moxley's not there, and he's taking precautions to protect the locker room. And we know it's, you know, it's a good thing to do. And, and so we have these dastardly really heels and Taz and Cage, you know, making fun of that and using that for heat. So I, I love this segment.
2: I loved it, too. I feel like Taz is getting his promo legs under him now. Uh, he hasn't done this in a very long time as far as promoing every week from the top of his head, trying to get someone over, uh, trying to keep uh, people interested. And I do think, you know, he was always good. I've liked this, uh, but I feel like tonight he took that extra step with that promo. It was killer. I mean, Oh, he'd been kind of in the middle, but he's like full hill now. I'm calling you a bitch for social distance. So, social distancing. I'm calling you. I'm calling you out because I think you scared. What we do here is what basically, and I love how you put AEW over. What we do here is good enough to make sure everyone is safe. You would have to get tested. So, you know, it's good enough here, but you're still scared of Brian Cage. I love it. It's perfect. He put AEW over and called Moxley a bitch all in the same like
1: section. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, it's it's just it was just the strongest promo. Like it was really well it was really well fragmented and segmented and it just flowed the best out of everything that he's done and it worked really well to hype up the match. But with that out of the way, we can now get to the main event of Night 1 of Fighter Fest, the AEW Tag Team Championship match between Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page versus Best Friends. I loved Best Friends' entrance, where Trent's mom drove them to the ring. Yes, in that in that minivan, whatever the hell they were, she was driving. That was so good. And then Trent's stone face staring down towards the ring as his mom gives him a peck on the cheek. Fucking yes, that is the best. And I was so happy to see Best Friends get the shot. And it didn't end the way that I wanted it to. I was really hoping Best Friends came out on top with this because I've been pulling for them to get a title run for a very long time. But they still had a really great showing. Kenny and Hangman still work super well together. And they're just, they just, they're doing really good holding those titles. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens next week. Um, when they take on private party, but I mean just the tag division on this, I I say it every week, the tag division in AEW is just so stacked that I don't have any bad things to say about it. There's, there's rarely anything that I can bring up to criticize
2: it. It's just pretty, pretty close to flawless. Yeah. Um, I I was going to say, uh, I I said, I was going to say the best thing on the show. That entrance was the best thing on the show. If you're like me and you like me and Jeremy, we've heard, you probably listen to the Voices of Wrestling podcast, uh, the flagship. Joe Lanza freaking hates car entrances. He hates it. And the fact that they flipped the car entrance on its head and made it like it's supposed to be the most uncool thing on, in wrestling. Like, <laughs> I mean, he took this thing that's cool and he's, he's like, it's not cool. I'm not, not only am I going to say it's not cool, I'm going to make it uncool. It's my mom dropping me off at the school and getting a kiss in front of all of my friends. The most embarrassing thing before I go fight two grown men. This was hilarious. I had laughed. Oh, my God, it was, I, I mean, yeah, Dermy, you can talk about the match, but I had to put that over because that was, I don't know who came up with that idea, but that was freaking brilliant.
1: Yeah, that was hilarious, and it, I don't think anybody could get away with that besides best friends because they're so goofy, and, you know, they're literally like, you know, childhood best friends, and so, yeah, you know, normally, you know, a mom will drop you and your best friend off, you know, at the mall or school or wherever you're going, and so, yeah, that was hilarious having Uh, Trent's mom dropping him and Chucky T off for the big title match and give them a little kiss. That was hilarious. But yeah, I thought this was a great main event. Like you mentioned, Austin, the AEW tag team division is stacked. We have a lot of great teams in this division and pretty much the tag team title matches have been one of the main highlights of AEW since it started. And we got another great matchup here with uh, best friends against Hangman and Omega. And I love Kenny Omega is one of my favorite wrestlers and I'm you know, dying to see singles Kenny again, but I love him and Hangman Page as a team so much. They gel so well together, and their chemistry came along so quickly. And they had these amazing uh, tag team matchups here. Um, and I, I felt bad for Kenny in this match because he was getting dumped on his head a lot. Uh, there was a spot towards the outside where uh, he got um, like monkey flipped into the 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 uh, the barricade, landing on his head. Um, Chuck Taylor like pile drove him twice (laughs) on his head in this match so he's getting a lot of action (laughs) on the head here in this match but uh, yeah a lot of great back and forth here came down to Hangman Page getting the buckshot lariat on Trent for the big win and I love the fact that they've kind of had this focus on Hangman in this tag team clearly this tag team is to help develop Hangman we've seen the cowboy shit come out of this and it's really elevated Hangman's stock and Pretty much all their tag title matches hangman has been the one to get the pin for the team and just kind of you know building that story of hangman you know thinking he's better than the elite and doesn't really need the elite and he's the one that's kind of picking up the wins here and it that can come into a story down the line eventually whenever they break up hangman can be like hey i was the one that was carrying this team this whole time i'm the one getting the wins
2: yeah yeah I- It was, uh, you know, sometimes tag teams just find magic in the bottle. And you got two great singles performers. I mean, literally, they were in the main event of the first two AEW shows. So these are two amazing single performers. And they got together, and you're like, "Uh, why are you, I mean, me, personally, I'm like, why are you forcing two singles people together when you have this amazing tag team division? And they kill it every time they come out. No matter what, they kill it. I mean, of course it's Kenny Omega. He's one of the best wrestlers, if not the best wrestler in the world. And he's going to kill it every time that he shows up. But it's just, it feels like it's been on uh, another level. You know, when Omega and Obushi was together, I was like, oh, it makes sense because they used to tag together. But Hangman and Omega really didn't familiar tag you know weren't familiar or tagging with each other but they have this perfect chemistry and they they adjust their match to who they are with and it's just two great wrestlers just doing what they're great at so it's just I, I've about ta- my I mean I, ta- I tip my hat to them because they're they clearly they've only been tagging what six months and they're probably top five tag teams in the world because every time they put on a match it's Amazing! It's dope. It's just you're like, oh my god, what are they gonna do next? And they do a good job of putting the over t- other team over, but in the end, it's always Hangman hey, Chip on the shoulder that hits that buckshot lariat and gets the three. So I, I, d- I, thought this match was great. I thought this was a continued the great tag team match lineage of AEW, and the fact that it main evented the show, the tag team titles main evented the show. That was. Special to me in my heart because tag team wrestling is main event wrestling and i'm so glad they, they were in that right position there's
3: that and then like which is totally true what you just said but there's also what happened immediately after the match which honestly it's your boys floyd just tell everybody what happened after this
2: match so, during the match, the boys, hashtag FTR, come out. And they got their bitch chairs and their coolers. And they, and they come out. They're not aggressive. They sit, next to the, uh, they sit next to the announce table. Didn't even do like the other people doing barge on the announce. They just sat there and watched the match. Gave the announcers some beer. Gave Britt Baker a beer. You know, her, their role model. They gave her a beer. Made up for what happened to this last week. And then, after the ring, they come out. And they're like, hey, I'm just going to hang hey, man hangman kenny congratulations here's a beer win it hangman takes the beer drinks the beer because you know hangman's not gonna uh hangman's always gonna take your beer you know he don't care if you're a friend or a foe he'll take your beer and then they gave it to kenny and kenny's looking around and of course we do know kenny doesn't drink but it was the ceremonial beer here you go and then he does the most disrespectful thing I mean, I think he might have disrespected Hangman more than FDR, (laughs) and then he pours the beer out. Oh, my God. You don't waste beer in front of the Hangman. Hangman would have drunk your beer, too. You didn't have to just pour it out. So that was disrespectful. Of course, the Young Bucks are watching from the back. They know, you know, they don't drink, but they know you don't pour out a man a peace-offering beer, a respectful beer. You don't pour that out. And they came in to keep FTR from messing up Kenny. And it was funny because Hangman was on FTR side. <laughs> He's like, dude, why'd you pour out the beer? <laughs> it was it was amazing. Kenny Omega, party foul. And that needs to be covered on BTE. Uh, they ha- they have to sit them down and let them know you don't pour out a person's beer. Well,
1: FTR should have known better. They should have known Kenny doesn't drink. They should have came out there with a carton of milk I just call carton of milk for Kenny Omega.
3: You think you think FTR carries around <laughs> a carton of milk? That's like the last thing they would carry around.
1: I I know they have it in catering somewhere back there. I know Kenny has his own little section of you know chilled you know milk back there. So that there had to be one back there they, they could have grabbed.
3: I I guess so, but it was, it was it was it was either way it was a great finish to build up well, to that. What kind to of, that next night?
2: I gotta ask, what kind of Canadian doesn't drink beer? Mm. I,
3: I can name one that doesn't I don't I don't know any There's like I'm, I'm I'm running down names in my head I'm like nope he does he does he does, yeah, he does
2: Even on Canada even on Canada Day It's on Canada Day you can have one beer on one Canada Day One cheat day, day. You yeah, one cheat day man come on FTR it was a respect beer They could have came down and messed them up but they didn't they were they were generous and nice they're just getting along right now, and it's amazing because you know they're they're such nice guys. Yeah, until they're not. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, that was night one of
3: Fighter Fest, which was very strong. I I highly enjoyed the first night of this show, and I, it only got me more excited for night two. Like wh- overall, what did you guys think of night one?
1: Overall, thought it was a very good show a lot of very good matches some great matches uh, i definitely thought it it reminded me like the the first Fighter fest you know not quite an a level pay-per-view but definitely kind of a b level type of card and i thought that delivered here all of the matches were built up well and i think they all delivered for the most part and it was a, a really great show
2: i 100% agree with jeremy uh their point is to make it like a 1.55 like a dynamite 0.5 and i think that's exactly what they did it wasn't quite a pay-per-view but it was an amazing dynamite if it is like if this was just a dynamite it might have been the best dynamite ever but it was you know fighter fest so it was that 1.5 range and i think they hit the perfect tone uh and i don't think they loaded it up. you know i thought they might have loaded the first night up So much that the second night wasn't going to get as much pub, but with what they announced tonight, I am looking forward to night two.
3: Yeah, and we'll get into our preview for night two of Fighter Fest, but before we do that, we want to let you guys know that support for all things Elite is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And Floyd can attest to the absolute um, technological developments that they've made and how well they've been working for him.
2: Now, let me tell you, like, uh, like I said, I don't use the lawnmower 2.0 on my personal area, but it's a perfect beard groomer. I know, like, not talking about your ball beard. I'm talking about your face beard. <laughs> it, it does it without, uh, it does it without cutting your uh, cutting your skin. I, my hands aren't that steady, and I have no problem adjusting to it and getting it perfectly shaped. And you know, my wife sometimes uh, shaves the old facial beard for me sometimes and gets it right. So that's another use for it. But then you got, like I said, the the ball deodorant. I like uh, for people that work out and you don't, you know you work out and you shower you don't want to keep it sweaty down there it's perfect the toner keeps everything smooth it, it, it's just a it's just a really good product for what uh, what your nan need, what your needs are and Jeremy hit them with the code
1: yes yeah, so if you use the code suplex at manscaped.com, you get 20% off and free shipping that's right 20% off free shipping using our code suplex at manscaped.com. You support social suplex and all things elite. And you support yourself by grooming and you know making sure you're the best man you can be.
3: There you go. And now we can cover night two of Fighter Fest and give our predictions and preview all the matches that will be happening next week. So we have – this also took place a little bit um, during the show where we had Lance Archer and Joey Janela getting into it. And they will be taking on – each other in singles competition and i think joey might die at the hands of lance archer personally i think it's not gonna go well for him honestly
2: i am hoping it turns into a street fight before next week
3: oh you mean to
2: just change the the, uh the stipulation type of yeah because in a regular singles match everybody dies
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm totally down if they change us to some kind of street fight or death match. We know Joey's history in, you know, hardcore, street fights, no DQ, whatever you want to call them. Joey does very well in those type of matches. And Lance Archer, we saw him in the death match at Wrestle Kingdom against John Moxley. And he did great in that matchup as well. So I think, you know, if you want to up the ante and really make us, you know, that 1.5 Dynamite that we're talking about, let's let's up the stakes here. Let's make it some kind of street fight or no DQ match and let these guys... go out there and, you know, kill it.
3: I will say I can see a no DQ match or a street fight. I can't see a death match on like TNT or TV. Like just the amount of shit that you can do in a death match. Like if you're not doing that on pay-per-view, you're not going to get away with a lot of shit.
2: Cody bleeds buckets on that average be, Wednesday. That may,
3: so, case, death match, that may be the case, but deathmatches
2: death death are completely different stories, though. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Cody headbutts a wall and bleeds open, bust open, and covered in blood. So, I mean, I don't see a lot of difference, but hey, you might be right. Hey, I mean, that time. We hate that blood
1: and guts, don't we, Jeremy? I I love me some blood and guts.
3: Well, then, of course, we have the match I'm looking forward to the most personally. We have that amazing eight-man tag match between FTR and the Bucks versus the Lucha Bros who just returned and the Butcher and the Blade. It's going to be fucking unbelievable. I just just know from seeing everybody in that ring, it's just going to – Everyone's going to go crazy for this match. I think this one might be one that people will remember for a while.
2: This match could go on last, and it would be fine. I don't think it is, but it could go on last. I hope it goes on first, you know, with it being that whole first match setting the tone. FTR and the Young Bucks uh, tagging up did not think that was going to happen. If you would have had me break down the scenarios that they were going to use to build up FTR versus the Young Bucks, them tagging together would have never been on that list. It's brilliant because it's different, and it's going to have that you know that hint of dissension all the way through. You're just waiting on FTR to turn on the Bucks. You're waiting on the Bucks to turn on FTR. And then you on the other side, the Lucha Bros and the Butcher and the Blade are probably the more cohesive unit because they just want to kill everybody. So that makes sense.
1: Yeah, really looking forward to this match. And I, I like the fact that they've kind of gone with the you know kind of the slow build to FTR versus Young Bucks. Obviously, that's the big money match that we've been waiting for for years. If you watch BTE, you you know where FTR came from and the whole build for that. And so finally, you no know, Bucks and FTR are in the same company at the same time. So that's that's the build here. I like the slow kind of tease here. We're not, we're not throwing it right away. We're not going to give it away for TV. I'm pretty sure that they're building this probably for all out on pay-per-view. So let's tease it out. Let's kind of do this kind of slow respect kind of angle. And then this is a perfect match to kind of really build the ascension here and get these guys some miscommunication and lead to the some kind of animosity to really build to this tag team matchup. So this should be a lot of fun. Super happy that the Lucha Bros are back. Uh, Pentagon has been stuck in Mexico. You know, Phoenix got injured right before double or nothing. So Glad Beans is healthy, and then uh, Pentagon was able to make it into the country. Really excited to have them back on uh, the roster and then Butchering and the Blade. They're a really solid meat and potatoes tag team. I don't think they get enough credit. They're a really uh, fun team to watch, and I'm um, looking forward to seeing how they kind of mix with the Lucha Bros here.
3: Yeah, and then we also got the announcement that Nyla Rose will be in action. We don't know who her opponent will be, but it'll be nice to see Nyla Rose get some work in. I'm sure she'll most likely be squashing somebody. Um, That's just what my guess is, but it's going to be nice to see her back on the show. And other than that, there's like, she'll be the, it'll be the only women's match on the card um, for, for night two. So it'll be nice to see her um, actually competing next week.
1: And also they've been teasing that she has like a special announcement to make after the match. So I'm very curious to see what that's all about.
3: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know that was a thing. So thanks for bringing that to my attention. Uh, uh,
2: yeah, I think she's going to challenge Cody for the TNT. The TNT. Really? <laughs> I, I did. That's. I'm not even kidding. I think that's what's going to happen. If hmm. that happens, I'm. I just thought of the most ridiculous thing I could think of, and I'd be like, "That you know, it's an open challenge. Any division, anything. If that, he's always said open."
3: If that happens, I'm interested to see what the response will be because I'm I'm for and, and,
2: it, but and, I'm and, very interested to see what the response uh, would be. And that is, and I like to tell you, I have no inside source. That's just me making shit up. If it's completely wrong, I'm gonna pretend like I didn't say it. We'll <laughs> just
3: forget about it.
2: No big deal. We All then
1: are entertainment purposes only.
2: Yes, only, Yes, never to.
3: Don't take it seriously. It's, <laughs> it's fine. Just let it, one ear out the other. If it doesn't happen, we're good. But then we have Brody Lee and Colt Cabana teaming for a second time, but they have a stronger opponent in SCU that they will be facing in Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels. And I'm I'm interested because, like I said, the the storyline of Colt moving closer and closer with the Dark Order. I'm 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 truly interested to see if they end up getting the victory and if Colt like officially like joins the Dark Order because they've been teasing it for quite a long time and Colt. Um, seems to be more on the side of the Dark Order now since he got a win, actually, for the first time. But, I mean, Brody Lee has just been doing really, really good stuff as the Exalted One, and just everything that he's been doing, even the co- the comedy stuff he's been doing on uh, Being Elite has been nothing but quality. And it'll be really great to see the guys from SCU got nothing bad to say about them. And this, is, this should be a very strong, solid match.
2: Go
1: ahead, yeah, so yeah, this should be a very fun matchup here You know, seeing all three members of FCU together I think it's been a while since they've been in a six-man tag It seems like So it's good as that they're going to be uh, as a unit again And then yeah, it's going to be very interesting Seeing Colt teaming up with Brody and Stu Grayson And how that all kind of plays out And I'm very much in kind of Floyd's mindset here Where I, I feel like established teams Should, you know, win over these kind of Mixed match teams That kind of get thrown together and it's going to be interesting to see where this way goes because you know Colt, when he came to the promotion, he was teaming up with SCU and helped them fight off the Dark Order. And now he has to team up against them. So was, I think we're going to see that kind of moment here if Colt's really going to kind of join the Dark Order or is he going to help his friends SCU. But I think in the end, I think he's going to help his buddies SCU and they're going to get the win. And that's going to start kind of maybe a rivalry between Brody and SCU.
2: Well, uh, our former host, Amy, uh, that's at Phoenix AEW on Twitter, she said Colt, if he joins, should change his name to Colt, like C-U-L-T.
1: Yeah. Colt. She said his song should, uh, <laughs> should change from Boom Boom to Doom Doom.
2: To Doom Doom. Yeah. Okay. You saw it, too. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. I was like, I have to bring that up on the show. Uh, yeah. Just lean all the way into it. Colt joins, but he's still his goofy self. That would be amazing. I think it could go both ways. I think the more interesting way is Colt joining the Dark Order. I, I I'm like truly going in the Dark Order, and maybe over the next six months to uh, six to eight months, he realizes they're not really for him, and then that leads to an eventual turn. But I would like him to be all the way in. I'm not saying. That's what's gonna happen, and I'm not gonna be disappointed if it doesn't. Because if it's just building to a Colt Cabana Brody Lee match, I'm down with that because those are very both very talented people. But I, it's one of those things I kind of want them to zig when I think they're gonna zag. But yeah, I think you're right. If if I if you say you know you have the proverbial gun to my head asking me what I think, I think Colt's gonna you know help out S C U and you know uh, probably Scorpio since they've been pushing him gets the pin over Stew. I, I could see that uh, going down and then Brody Lee going freaking nuts and trying to make Colt's life a living hell. So I could definitely I could definitely buy that.
3: One thing I will say, too, is the fact that Colt's one of those characters that has been very much the same for m- a good majority of his career, especially for the last few years. It not much has changed in his character. So I think definitely the more interesting route would be him joining the Dark Order and then his character just either... Completely switching up and going full Dark Order or if he's just his normal goofy self in the Dark Order and the Dark Order just has to kind of control it but either way I think just having him in the Dark Order would be the more intriguing way to just have Colt do something different because I think that's a really you get a guy like Colt who's been in the business for so long like doing something different would be the best thing with a guy like him who's been around for so long and people are so used to seeing in other promotions and such
1: yeah, and if Dark Gore does lose, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of thrown papers backstage.
3: Yes, it's like, and people he calls up to throw papers in his <laughs> in their face. <laughs> I love that segment so much in being the elite. That was great. We then, um, uh, I don't even know how to segment into this. There's a puppy bowl going on. Pupple, puppy Battle Royale. A royal, puppy Battle Royale, royal, I,
2: but. I, I have no idea what that's going to be. Uh it's one of those things. Uh they had to adjust because of the I'm imagining they had to adjust because of Mox and Cage not being on next week. So they had to fill it with something. Someone threw out an idea. Someone said that's perfectly rid- ridiculous. Let's do it. Well, Cuz I feel like that's AEW. So I, the more ridiculous it is. So I thought the Puppy Battle Royale was happening after Dynamite. Is it happening after Dynamite? I guess I might have read that wrong. I was, I'm I'm actually, as some people know, I worked during the show. So I was watching it and I heard about the puppy battle Royal and I put it in the notes, but I might've missed the time. That, that's, that's completely on me. So you, it's happening after the show. Like it's going to be at like nine or whatever. Yeah. Okay. That's on me. That's completely on me. I, I missed the time when I was taking down the notes. But still, what is that gonna be, Jeremy? Are you excited? Are you are you gonna keep your TV on for the Puppy Battle Royale? All I can think about is back in the day, uh, Monday Night Raw in
1: USA. Sometimes it would get like preempted by the uh, that dog show. I forget what it's called, but uh, some the Westminster yeah, kennel yeah. Westminster, dog yeah show. And Raw would get I would turn on the USA and there'd be dogs instead of you know DX. I'm like, what's what's going on here? <laughs> so uh,
2: yeah, that was the most depressing two weeks of my year <laughs> back then. So that's all I, will, I can think about.
3: <laughs> I will tell you what, though. Like, my si- Sydney, my sister, is the biggest animal head you will meet. So if there's not actual dogs in the ring, she's going to be unbelievably disappointed. So you better work fast, AEW, and get some actual puppies in that ring. Just make sure nobody steps on them, please, God.
2: All I want is the English Bulldog puppy. <laughs> I don't even know if they're going to have English Bulldog puppy, <laughs> but that's my favorite dog. And they should name it Davy Boy, because that's what I've always said. If I got an English bulldog, I would name him Davy Boy.
3: I mean, wh- what else would you name it, though? It's like, this, let's see, only—I feel like all all of those dogs, like, no matter what, no matter what gender, no matter what, should always be named Davy Boy and nothing else.
1: Yeah, you can't go wrong with that.
3: Then we have Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page— putting in double work for a fighter fest and they will be facing on private Party, who was also putting on uh, double work. And they, again, they're just two of the best tag teams that we have in AEW, and private party has already showcased themselves to do work really well against the elite with their match against the young bucks back when fans were actually allowed to be at shows now. Um, but this is again, going to be another strong tag team match. AEW has not shown me that they don't know how to do tag team wrestling better than anybody else. And it's just going to be crazy freaking good. And, um, this is for the titles. if I not, if I'm not mistaken,
1: correct? Yeah. It's for the tag tag titles.
3: Okay. Now I know I was all, all on best friends, but do you guys actually think that private party has a shot in the dark of actually winning the titles against hangman and Kenny? Not their time. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because I, I knew they gave them the surprise win over the Young Bucks, which I thought was great, but I think it's just not the time just because of how many teams are there. And just I think the focus is going to be on FTR and those those kind of teams go- coming up right now.
1: Yeah, I would be very, very surprised if Private Party was able to pull out the upset here. I think this match is really just going to be focused on... Kind of just giving them a spotlight, having them have a great match with Kenny and Hangman, and just you know, just showing once again how great they are in ring and how much they've improved. But yeah, at the end of the day, I think yeah, Kenny and Hangman will retain because it seems like they're you know planting the seeds for Kenny and Hangman against FTR.
3: Yeah, I mean like the whole the whole relationship with the Elite with the Young Bucks and Omega and Hangman, and they've already been, like they said the. The seeds are being planted for that as well. So, and yeah, the yeah, match that yeah. match is something that yes, please fucking make that happen because that will be so good,
2: dude. That is going to be an eighties tag team, uh, match straight. You know, with Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega is always going to bring every match into the future because he's Kenny Omega. But the storytelling on that match is going to be so amazing. You're taking. You know, Kenny and, you know, Paige and putting them against the best tag team in the world, in my opinion. Uh, FTR. I am just so excited for that. It was like, I don't know if I'm more excited for that or the match with the Bucks. I'm still going to have to say the match with the Bucks because I've been waiting like a few years for that. But oh, my God. Heart palpitations. Love tag team wrestling so much.
3: And then finally on this show, we have the bloody feud between. Orange Cassidy, and Le Champion, Chris Jericho, which I know we've been talking a lot about the FTR Bucks and Lucha Bros Butcher and Blade match, but this match also has a really, really good chance to take the show completely because the way way this match has been built in the last couple weeks has been very, very strong. And Jericho has obviously just proven that he can make matches that seem completely ridiculous on paper and make them feel so big and so important he's just truly showcasing why it's completely understandable why people think he's the greatest of all time and orange cassidy obviously super over with the fans and doing incredible work it's this has a really good strong chance to go and uh take the whole show but i'm honestly not sure who goes over in this so i want to know what your thoughts on this
1: Yeah, I'm really excited for this match. And, you know, much like Jericho and a lot of people, I did not get the whole Orange Cassidy thing at first. The first time I saw him was um, last year at WrestleCon Super Show in New York. And he came out with uh, best friends. and I just I the crowd was going wild. I just I just just didn't get it. Uh, But as I've seen him now in AEW, and he really won me over with the pack match. So I'm excited to see what he can do with Jericho here. And yeah, it's kind of tricky where you go here because you would think, you know, the, the safe bet is you know former AEW World Champ Chris Jericho gets the win in a good match, but I think the more intriguing thing would be to have Orange Cassidy somehow get the upset win here and go on with that because obviously Jericho, I think they're gonna keep him out the title picture for a while, and they also have like the Mike Tyson thing in the background, so. I, I think Jericho's in a spot where he can lose right now because he's going to have like a big singles program coming up. So why not give, you know, Orange Cassidy the win and really help elevate him?
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think Jer- a loss doesn't hurt Jericho. Jericho can explain away a loss. He's so good on a promo, he can make you think he won even though he lost. So that's great. Orange Cassidy if he keeps losing his big matches he's just a joke so he needs to win a big match and maybe it's fluky maybe it's a roll up maybe it's whatever but he does i think he needs this win versus jericho do i think he gets it no but i think he i think he needs it i think uh right now they still want to keep jericho strong because if you ever need a big pay-per-view to draw you you're going to put jericho in the main event So I think you do need to keep him strong. So I think they're going to keep him strong. And even though Orange is going to look great, I think in the end he actually does lose.
3: Yeah, I'm leaning more towards Jericho getting the victory because despite the fact that um, they're showcasing OC in a more, like, physical way and that he's, he's actually trying more and more in this feud, despite that, I feel like just Jericho going over OC is the more understandable way that they're going to go with and that's just what I feel like that they're going to that they're going to stick with but it's still like despite the fact that we th- like 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 Floyd said it seemed like n- night 1 was going to just completely sweep um the whole card and that f- night 2 was going to have to really do a lot to pick up the slack it seems like night 2 is doing a very good job of at least matching night one. We don't know if it'll be better or worse, but it's looking like at the very least it should match night one's quality. But overall that's going to do it for this week on all things elite. And I want to thank you guys so much. And of course I want to thank our special guest, Jeremy Donovan of social suplex and keeping it strong style for joining us. We were, very happy to have you on the show and we're definitely gonna be excited to continue having you on for night two when we cover it next week on the podcast but again thank you so much for being on the show
1: yeah thanks for having me on guys uh floyd knows i love talking about AEW, so anytime you guys want a special guest i'm down and yeah really excited for night two of fighter fest
2: all right yeah yeah, I'm super excited for night one. Uh, night one and I love having Jeremy on. And Jeremy and Austin, y'all both have that those silky radio voices. <laughs> it's just like amazing and it's just like I'm like I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you talking and I'm almost falling asleep. Because your voice is so smooth, but then you say something interesting like Cody's name, and it wakes me right back up. So. That's all it takes. It just
3: Floyd could be in a coma, and then you just say the words Cody or Rhodes or American Nightmare, and what'd you say? Huh? I'm oh, up. Okay, we good?
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it means you're trying to start a conversation with me. You know, my language. I think I think I think of the wife when I'm tuning out my wife, who I love so much. She'll just say Cody. It's just so she knows she has my attention, you know, so it makes uh, it makes sense, you know, it's just it's, like, he... it's just called being married. Lloyd <laughs> here's Cody?
1: Does he, the Undertaker like sit up like.
2: You right? Is <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's... it like yeah, that's my alarm <laughs> when I go off this. Yeah, But it truly is. My phone alarm is the American Nightmare. I was going to say
3: before. it's got to be King.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so I jumped up, I jump up to Kingdom and stand up and I do my little pose like I'm rising up from under the stage. (laughs) I really miss that. I really miss that. What you
3: got to do is you got to find the, uh, yeah, you got to use the one with the, the intro song
2: before Kingdom and use that to wake yourself up. Exactly. So, yeah, it gets me pumped up. But Jeremy, again, thank you for being on. Austin, as always, you you are, you were the hole in my heart, sir. You know, I was like, I need, I, I told, I was like, I, I, I was like, I need it. I need that tag team partner. I need someone that can drive the ship because I talk too damn much. <laughs> and I found, I found the person. We haven't had like a two hour show since. And that's because of you, Austin. I just want to let everybody know <laughs> shows, shows being around an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, it's all because of Austin's restraint. We like to thank you for tuning in. This is the show for the week. So. Uh, you will, there won't be a show on Saturday. This July 1st is the show for the week. And then there will be another show next week, July 8th. Again, Jeremy will be on for that. Well, to be talking about night two. And, you know, I guess they're going to be putting out a link for Fight for the Fallen. Uh, the cons have already given a million dollars to COVID relief. There's going to be a chance for fans to donate money towards COVID relief effort also. So I just think, I thought that was so cool when I heard about that. I uh, I was like, dude, I can't wait to be a part of it, share the link, and donate. Uh, also, and I, I promise you this, I'm trying to see, I was trying to see if they were going to do it for this show. I was going to announce it on this show. If they do the Great American Cody shirt, I will be giving one away on the show, at least one away on the show, I was going to do it tonight, but I keep refreshing the whole conversation. I kept refreshing on Shop AEW and Pro Wrestling Team seeing if they would upload the shirt, and they didn't. So I guess there's an outside chance they don't sell it, or they might be waiting for the sale to end. I don't know. Uh, but I am. I will. If they do that shirt, I will give them one away because I freaking love it. Uh you know, like st- all the undertones. I will say but, uh,
3: real quick before you get on what what you were gonna say. Um, I did end up getting the uh, American Nightmare tattoos, the temporary tattoos, with as well as the uh, <laughs> the Street Fighter Cross AEW shirt.
2: Yes, I bought the Street Fighter shirt for my friend Dan. I, you know what? He will, oh, he will only know that I did this if he listens to the show, so I'm going to use that against him. If uh, I'm like, dude, I bought you a shirt. I told you on my show you don't listen to it. Uh, no, but I, I got my American Nightmare neck tattoos. Hope it shows up. You know, I am a darker-skinned American, so dodo how that's going to work out with the whole temporary temporary tattoos in me in the past have not worked out well i don't know how that do they work out for you Derby. have you ever used one yeah you know the, the, the little slick on stick they never showed up well on yeah
1: that. i haven't done it since i was a kid but yeah we got you know the power ranger you know transformer like little temporary tattoos and yeah on, on, on us you know darker skinned gentlemen it doesn't really show up all that great
2: <laughs> yeah so i might just take an american nightmare sticker and just put it on my neck. So, That'll work too. You know. <laughs> so people will know that's what I'm trying to. I'm go, going for. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to that. Also, because they're running the sale, you can go on to, uh, you can go on to uh, pro wrestling tees. Put in social suplex. All the shirts from the social suplex. It's twenty percent off, right? Yes, and free shipping. Uh, I
1: think it's just twenty percent off.
2: Yeah, just twenty percent off. So hey, it'll cover the shipping. Buy social suplex shirt. By keeping the strong style shirt, what's the other one that has a shirt?
1: I've got one nation radio, Ricky and Clive, and we got to work on getting an an all things elite shirt on there. Uh, Tried uploading the logo, but you know they said it was too close to to AEW, so we got we got to find a workaround to get some um, all things elite merch up there.
2: One Nation Cody haters is what I call them. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) One Nation Um... Cody haters. (laughs) if
3: you if you want an easy one like just get a beach ball png with a circle and cross out of it and then just put austin hates beach balls because i fucking will go off on anybody who brings a beach ball to a show and there were some at AEW i remember and there were some at wrestlemania that i went to and that's the easiest thing I, i tried getting that made for uh pinned when i was doing that podcast and it just didn't work out but oh i like that's the easiest design you can get that won't bother anybody i think
2: yeah, I don't know. See, you know, I think with uh, our, our shirt, I think we might just, like, we've g- met some great graphic designers. We might just see what our friends can do. Sure. So, hey, design us a shirt, you know. Or, hey, hey, great idea. Let's run a contest. There you go. To design us a shirt. I don't know. We'll do what, something. Jeremy, the Godfather, will give me his blessing, and I will f- we'll figure out what to do with that. Uh, But I am, yeah, uh, I am very happy. Talking about wrestling, like, literally, if I can be in the worst mood in the day, and I know it's hard to believe that I'm ever in a bad mood because of my energy level, but I do get in bad moods. But talking about wrestling immediately puts me in a better place. So, you know, I, I, I always say I do this show as much to be much for myself as I do it for everyone to hear and hear what I think about because I love it. And like I said, Austin's been great. Jeremy's giving me a platform to talk about Cody, which is, you know, that's like the greatest gift you can give me. So <laughs> 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 uh. Uh, so I I thank you all. I remind you, just like I do at the end of every show, make sure you're wearing your mask, social distance, do whatever it's best. To keep yourself and the people around you healthy. And whether it's homework or school, always do your best to be elite.